you have your Bibles, turn to James. Book of James chapter 3, and I will read verses 9 and 10. And we're going to deal with the first 12 verses or so of James chapter 3, but we're going to uh, jump off with verses 9 and 10, and then we'll back up with verse 1 here and uh, just a little bit. So James chapter 3, and uh, we'll start with verses 9 and 10 as we talk about genuine faith. Uh, the book of James, as we've talked about, is a book about what genuine faith acts like, what it looks like, how it, how it lives out in everyday life. And so uh, James is very, very practical. It deals with a lot of different issues, and uh, people sometimes struggle with trying to find a theme because he goes so many different places, kind of like the book of Proverbs, and it really is based kind of on the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, like the book of Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or something like that. But if you really look at it, uh, James is talking about the person really has faith, this is what it looks like. So let's talk about um, something tonight, James 3, verses 9 and 10, uh, when he says with it, he's talking about our tongue, talking about our speech. When James, we're going to talk a lot about the tongue tonight. And we're not talking about this muscle in our mouth. We're talking about the words that we speak, okay? So when James talks about tongue, we're talking about words, okay? So with it, with our mouths, with our words, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse, hopefully not, but we could, curse men who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So sometimes we say things that we shouldn't say, <laughs> right? Sometimes we say things that aren't helpful, but they're harmful instead. I uh, heard about one guy who was going to meet his girlfriend's uh, family. He wanted to make a good impression, and so he um, saw his girlfriend's mom. And what he wanted to say, what he wanted to say is, I see where my girlfriend gets her good looks. You know, he wanted, it's what he wanted to say, it's the idea. Now, obviously, my girlfriend takes after her mom, who is very beautiful. What, she, what he actually said was, wow, I bet when you were Jane's age, you used to be good looking too. <laughs> she just scowled at him for five minutes. <laughs> so that, that didn't work out real well. Heard about somebody else, went to a job interview, and uh, they had a preliminary interview. She was doing pretty well with that one, and then the main boss came in. You know how you say things before you think? You kind of engage mouth before you put the gear into, uh, the, the brain into gear. And uh, the boss walked in, and, and the person that was applying for the job was five feet, two inches tall, a little bit short, on, on the short side. And so the boss walked in, and he was exactly the same height as she was. And she said, look, someone just my size. <laughs> and... Uh, before she left the interview, she thought, man, I'll never get this job. You know, I just absolutely blew it. Ten minutes later, called her up, got the job, and said every day for two years, she was greeted by her boss by him saying, look, someone just my size. <laughs> Cannot let that one go, right? And then the one that we all dread and some of us have done before, and, uh, but this guy took it to a whole new level, saw someone and said, oh, when are you expecting yeah, and so um, she said, well, I'm not expecting. Yeah, that's a bummer. And she was a he. <laughs> that, ooh, that takes it to a whole other level, doesn't it? I'm not expecting, and I'm not female either. So, wow, you want to go home and just pray about that? There is power in your words. That's what we want to talk about tonight. There's power in your words. Warren Wearsby said it this way. He said, the power of speech 
is one of the greatest powers God has given us. With the tongue, with our speech, we can praise God, pray, preach the word, lead the lost to Christ. What a privilege. But with the same tongue, same words, we can tell lies that can ruin a man's reputation or we can say words that break somebody's heart. James is saying when we have been transformed by Jesus, we come into a real relationship with him, and we surrender our life to Jesus, it affects how we talk. It affects the words that we use. In fact, it's one of the markers, what James is going to say here, it's one of the real markers of spiritual maturity. How do you know if a person is spiritually mature? Well, do they go to church enough? Have they read the Bible every day? Do they pray enough? You know, all these things are important. But James is going to say, you know, one of the characteristics is how you use your words. Everybody speaks. Everybody has words to say. How we use them tells us something about our spiritual maturity, our growth in Jesus. Watch this. Do our words help or harm? They kind of do one or the other, don't they? Our words are going to help each other or actually harm each other. And the Christians that James wrote to were apparently having some pretty big difficulties with their speech life. And so we need to be aware tonight and recognize that the tongue, James says, is untamable, right? It's capable of great damage, an indicator, okay? It's an indicator of our hearts, and God has a gracious provision in the gospel for our sinful words. So let's take a look at it tonight. How does, how does our words help or harm of each other? How do we experience genuine faith or exhibit genuine faith by the words that we say? I'm going to give you four helps, what I think four helps that God wants us to uh, remember and apply uh, in our speech. Number one is our words can cause us or other people to stumble. That's what James says. It can cause us or other people to stumble. Look at verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. James was true there, wasn't he? <laughs> we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, what he says, he's a perfect man. The word perfect there means mature. Doesn't mean sinless. Means mature. This is a growing Christian. He's able also to bridle the whole body. Now James has referred to speech earlier in this in this uh, book he wrote. Look at verse uh, chapter one, verse nineteen. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So James is writing to some people that have trouble with their words. Imagine that, y'all. It's the oddest thing you can imagine. Christians were saying unkind and unhelpful things to each other. Church people. We're saying things that weren't kind. They were saying things that weren't nice. They were saying things that weren't even very Christian. You've probably never heard or seen anything like that, but maybe you've heard stories about it, right? Sometimes, I know one, one church I went to pastor, I didn't really know what this meant. I grew up in a church that had you know, five, 600 people typically in church on a Sunday morning, so I didn't really kind of know the inner workings of church people and things. We just went on Sunday mornings and that was kind of it. But um, this one guy said, oh yeah, yeah, you say something about that and they're going to be sizzling those phone lines down this afternoon, you know. They're, they're going to be on the phone and they're going to be talking about things. I, I wonder if James ever spoke sinfully to Jesus. It's his brother, right? They grew up in the same household. And so there's plenty of opportunities for James to kind of get ripped with Jesus, especially, and I don't know that they ever did this, but especially if his parents ever said, why can't you be more like Jesus? 
Why can't you be people like him? And I wonder if James ever got frustrated and said to Jesus, who died and made you God? <laughs> right? Who do you think you are? God's gift to mankind or something? <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> you know? I just wonder if James ever come up with uh, these kind of things. You think you're the son of God or somebody? Is that who you think? <laughs> you, know, you just wonder, after the resurrection, if James got convicted and thought, he actually was the son of God. <laughs> actually, when he died, did get put in charge because he rose from the dead, right? I wonder if James ever felt bad about some of those things. Well, obviously, some of these people in this church that James was writing to have said some things they probably needed to apologize for and probably need to do a, a little bit uh, better with. I heard about one pastor who wrote that there was a lady in his church, could easily have been a man, but this particular time it was a lady, and... Um, she was, she was a gossip. Everybody knew she was a gossip. Uh, she continually said unkind things, continually said things behind people's back. And every once in a while, she'd get convicted about it, and she would tell them, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry, I need to do better. And so finally, this went on for several different times. And she came to her pastor, and she said, Pastor, I know, I've been talking ugly. I've been saying things about people. I've been spreading rumors, and I, I just really need to stop. And the pastor was kind of getting tired of this cycle, you know. And he said, well, what do you think you're going to do about it? And she said... I'm going to lay my tongue on the altar. And the pastor said, they ain't an altar that big. <laughs> pastor may have stumbled too. <laughs> Maybe he needed to kind of keep watch over. Because it's easy when somebody says some kind of trip you up for you to kind of be tripped up in that same way afterwards, right? Look at James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, apparently, there were some people in the church, and it's, the idea here is not that we shouldn't want to be in places of leadership or we shouldn't want to teach God's Word. He's not saying that if you take the whole book of James as a whole. And even J James was a teacher himself, okay? He was a teacher. He was one of the leading teachers in the church at Jerusalem. First Timothy 3.1 says, it's a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires what kind of work? He desires a good work. And a, one of the qualifications of the bishop is to be able to teach. And so you put this together and got the idea that there's some people that want to be respected. They want to be looked up to. They want to have a reputation. And so James is saying, I, don't rush into that too quickly. You're accountable for what you say. And if you teach, and I have an idea here, this talking about uh, teaching in front of the whole church, not like most Baptist nominating committees know this is not the biggest problem we have in Southern Baptist churches. <laughs> too many people want to be teachers, you know. I think the way that would apply today is not too many of you should want to be on YouTube teaching the Bible. Not too many of you should want to be celebrities, to be pastors of large churches, things like that. Watch out that your position doesn't outgrow your character. Okay, make sure what you say is authentic and real because you don't want to lead people astray. Look at James chapter 3 verse 2 where he says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. As I said, the word perfect means complete, mature, growing. And a mature Christian learns how to bridle his tongue. He doesn't just say what he thinks. I've heard people say that before. I just say what I think. Well, the Bible says that a fool uttereth all his mind. And so we need to have some kind of conception of some things are good to say, some things are not good to say. Am I going to help 
Or am I going to harm? Am I going to start revival? Or am I going to break somebody's heart with what I'm going to say? Remember the three word, the three rule. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? And uh, I remember the first time I did that, um, did that kind of as a weekly growth suggestion years ago. And I asked people, do this the whole week. Do it. I had one of the members of our church came to me and he said, I can't say anything in my house. <laughs> Every time I open my house, somebody's doing this to me. And so uh, I said, well, you know, hang in there, buddy. You'll, you'll figure it out. One, you'll figure it out one day. So anyway, it's a good thing to say, though. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? Not everything that we think, not every opinion that we have, needs to be verbalized. Maybe we need to pray the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 141, 34. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil things. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, our words are a very good indicator of our spiritual growth. How much we're really get to be more like Jesus. Second thing, though, first of all, is our words sometimes can cause us or other people to stumble. Secondly, our words steer our lives. Our words give direction. Our lives are going to go a certain way, and the words we use with ourselves and the words we use with each other, they're going to set a tone for your life, right? Uh, first, let me say, say it this way. If you have a bad day at work, and you come home from work, you've had a bad day, you know, you temper's kind of high, you're frustrated, angry, that kind of thing, and you walk in, and uh, your spouse says to you, oh, how are you doing today? Have a good day at work? And you're like, I'm fine. Well, you don't really sound fine. You sound like maybe, maybe you had a bad day. But are you sure you didn't have a bad day at work? Listen, listen, just listen. You know the idiots I work with. You know the bunch of goofs ups and the machinery doesn't work and the boss is on my, on my back all the time and, and then you got a traffic, got a fight and I get home and I get the ninth degree on what kind of day I had. I had a bad day. Are you happy? Now that's going to set a tone. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> yeah. That's going to set a tone, okay? Now, if you come in and your spouse says, what kind of day did you have? And you say, I really can't have a tough day. Hard day. Things didn't go my way. Boss was asking us to do things. We, you know, it was hard on us. We didn't have any reason to be hard on us. Nobody really wants to kind of pull their fair share. But praise God, I didn't say anything I'd have to apologize for tomorrow. Praise God, he helped me to keep a bridle on my tongue. And I was able to... to be something of a decent witness to Jesus. And so I'm just grateful that it went as well as it did. That's going to set a tone. And that tone, a lot different than other tone, right? Your words, when you come in from work or you see each other, you know, you've been gone during the day and you see each other, the words you use in those first five minutes of that evening are going to set a tone. One of the things that Laura and I try to do, I'm not saying we do this every time, I'm not saying we're good at it, but one of the things we try to do, if one of us has a bad day and the other one says, hey, how was your day? We try to say, I've had a bad day and it doesn't have anything to do with you. That sets you free, okay? If she's had a bad day and she's irritated and she's angry and it's not at me, hey, I'm good. <laughs> you know, that's good to know. That's, that's, and so we learned early on in the marriage to say, uh, is it me? And we ought to be, for this to do well, you got to be truthful, okay? Sometimes it is you. Like, yeah, well, you know, when you said that or when you did that, it really did kind of aggravate me, you know, and then we can kind of work that out. Typically, if one of us says, I've had a bad day, and um, 
you know, I don't really want to talk about it. It's not you, but I just had a bad day, and, 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 and I'm sorry I'm in a bad mood. Typically, the other one will say, as I said, we don't do this perfectly or anything, but the other one will say, is there anything I can do to help? Now, uh, you can't say, I'd like a new boat. <laughs> you got to be within reason here, right? Uh, sometimes, sometimes we will say, yeah, you know, if you just sit here and watch TV with me a few minutes, that would really be helpful. Uh, if you wash the dishes, that, that would really be helpful. If you rub my feet, now you can't do this seven days a week. Man, I've had a bad day. I need a foot rub, man. <laughs> That's not going to work, right? I mean, you got to be within reason here, you know. And one of the things I've noticed, one of the things that has helped me is that if I ask Laura, she will be truthful. She will be truthful. She will say, you know, it really be great if you would do this. So you gotta, you got to own it. you got to mean it. But it really does help. If one of us says, not really, I just want to be left alone, then you need to be good being left alone. Because Laura's going to leave you alone. <laughs> she, she takes that kind of stuff seriously. You know, I've learned from her to be willing to ask, this really would, it's not that selfish. You're married to each other. You're to help each other, right? This would really help me. As I said, this is not every day. This would help. She's willing to ask for help. I'm getting better at asking for help. And it just sets the tone of the evening. And it steers your life. If I'm wondering all evening, or she's wondering all evening, he's in a bad mood, or she's in a bad mood, they won't say why, they say everything's fine, I wonder what I've done. If you can just say it's not you, something else, and just set each other free with that. Now look at James chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. James chapter 3, look at verses 3 and 4. Where well, the scripture says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and they turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. He says, what, there's a, there's a picture here. There's a bit in a horse's mouth. The horse is way bigger than the bit, way stronger than the bit, but you can direct the horse. The ship has a rudder. It's small compared to the size of the ship, but it steers the whole ship. And what he's saying is your words steer your life. They steer your emotions. They steer your relationships. They steer your walk with Christ. And you know, the bit, I mean, there's going to be something contrary. The horse is going to want to do what? Go its own way. The bit is there to help overcome the contrariness of the horse. The rudder is helping the ship because there's going to be what? Winds, currents, waves. They're going to try to knock the ship off course. And so it's able to take what's contrary outside of it and use it to direct it in the right way. And the same way, we've got things outside of us that are tough, right? We've got simple heart on the inside of us that's tough. Sin on the inside, pressures on the outside are all seeking to control our lives and to control our tongue. But if we can stay in control of our words and use our words to build up, use our words to praise, then it's going to set a whole different direction. Never underestimate the guidance system that you have, the GPS that you have by the words that you choose to say or you choose not to. To say, and words are much more powerful. They're much better, much worse than thoughts are. Words are powerful. It's a whole different thing to think something than it is to say something. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. I can think things about you, and you can think things about me. That's not really that powerful like it is when you say it, right? When you say, 
man, I love you. When you say I forgive you, when you say you mean so much to me, that's more powerful than if you just think it. If you say you really hurt my feelings or you're on my nerves or I don't think you're you know, going to be able to pull this thing off, that's powerful, right? Our words are much more powerful than our thoughts are, much more important than our thoughts are. Words are powerful. God's words are powerful, right? Look at Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And before God created everything, he, it says, and God said. Now, we can't create like God can, but we do create with our words. We create emotions. We create um, feelings. Uh, we create closeness or distance in our relationships. We create a tone. We create an atmosphere. We create a direction in our lives by the words that we use. And we need to never underestimate the power of our words. A and we even talk to ourselves. By the way, did you know God talks to himself? Look at Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us. Who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to himself. Hope, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. It's good to speak God's words to yourself instead of saying, I'm in stupid, I can't get anything right, I never do the right. No, to say there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm an overcomer by the power of Jesus to be able to focus on God's truth. By the way, we know Satan speaks as well, right? Satan uses words. Look at Genesis 3, 1, the New International Version. God creates with his words. Satan corrupts with his. Now the serpent, serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So Satan's what? He's distorting. He contradicts. He's overdoing. He's twisting God's word. So we need to recognize that's what Satan does that's his nature and we need to look at look at Matthew 12 36 and 37 now watch what happens here let's talk about the power of our words Jesus says but I say to you for every idle word not every idle thought every idle word men may speak they will give an account in the day of judgment for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned there are eternal ramifications to what we say what did he say about being saved? He said, what, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord? What's that? It's your words. That's how you're justified. He's not saying if you speak well and speak nice all your life, you'll be justified. How are you justified? By confessing with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's what James is talking about here. It's our words in our mouth. There are eternal ramifications. I was thinking about this this week, and I just decided to look up the Titanic to compare the size of the Titanic with the size of the rudder. The Titanic was 883 feet long. That's long, right? 883 feet. The rudder was 78 feet, less than a tenth the size of the ship. The uh, Titanic was 92 feet wide. The rudder was 15 feet, 3 inches wide. And the ship was 175 feet tall, and the rudder was 8 inches high. Very small compared to the size of the ship. If they'd use that rudder right, they wouldn't have, wouldn't sunk, would they? Could have went right around that iceberg. And see, your tongue is a very small muscle in your body. It's a very small, I guess it's a muscle. Is it a muscle or organ? Muscle. It's a very small muscle in your body, but it can 
man, it can bring great good and great harm. It can steer our lives. Look at the third thing is there's a spark as well. Cause a stumble, it's there. our words steer our lives, and our words set sparks. Look in James chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Words can be like a spark, think about it this way, that spreads. It can spread. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. What in the world were these people saying? <laughs> I wonder what in the world that would prompt James to write this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. He's saying your tongue can create sparks that are just wreaked devastation across people's lives. I was looking at this in a recent year. 11,000 lightning strikes sparked 367 wildfires that burned over 300,000 acres just in California. Just from lightning strikes. Alaska, by mid-June of 2022, this last year in Alaska, over a million acres had been burned. Uh, early July, that number was well over 2 million acres, and that's mostly from lightning strikes. Or either somebody leaves a fire and it's a spark. What does he say? Hey, a spark can set off damaging things. Uh, my brother-in-law works at an airport in a Meridian, Mississippi. And one of the things that he and, and the guys that he works with are in charge of is making sure that the, um, the airport is free of animals that get on the runway, okay? So, I mean, they literally chasing deer and things like that off the runways, making sure the airplanes can fly safely. They say the biggest threat are the birds. And that's a hard thing to keep off the runways, keep out of the air. And so they have, a, they have a gun, it's like a shotgun, but it shoots like fireworks, and so the idea is to scare the bird. I mean, you, you know, you scare the bird. So it's a, it shoots off a loud, bright kind of thing. And so Marshall, uh, my brother-in-law, had went, he went to the restroom uh, at the building. And his buddy was out there. And there was a flock of birds and some planes coming in. So he, he said when he shot it, he knew something was wrong. It didn't go up in the air like it was supposed to. It just kind of fizzled. And uh, the, the pasture around the runways, uh, the grass is, you know, this high or so out there. And those sparks fell down and hit that brush. And that guy said there were flames. And y'all know how dry it's been, right? Ten feet high immediately. Immediately. Marshall said he went to the restroom and came out and nobody's in the office. <laughs> they, they got, a, got uh, you know, fire equipment and, and a fire system, uh, fire people, fire, firemen, firewomen uh, on staff there at the airport. He said, man, everybody's gone. Man, where'd everybody go? So, man, that spark hit that dry grass and, boy, it took off. And how many of you know, gossip can be the same way. A rumor can be the same way. And a testimony can be the same way. Our words send out spark. Barks. One person wrote it this way. He said, show me a man or woman who stirs up strife, who is a gossip, or who criticizes everything due to a proud and critical heart, and I will show you someone who has hurt many people in their past, starting in their own home. He says that he says your tongue can be satanic. The word Satan means slanderer. That's what the word means. Devil means adversary. And he would, boy, he would love to get hold of our words and use our words to hurt and damage other people's lives. Our weapon, our, our, our words can be a weapon and be very careful. 
very careful how you use it with an eight-year-old. Very careful how you use it with members of your own family. Because here's the thing. If I go out next week and somebody in town that doesn't really know me, and they say, oh, you're a preacher, right? And I say, yeah. They say, well, I don't really think you live up to what you preach. I think you're a hypocrite. I think you preach one thing on Sunday to live something else during the week. I'd hurt my feelings a little bit, but they don't know me, you know. But if Laura or Hannah Grace or Joel said that, or one of y'all who've been around here for several years and said that to me, it'd break my heart, right? Really? I mean, really would. I mean, you, your words are very powerful. And when we get angry, we can really hurt somebody if we're not careful. At the same time, at the same time, when you're on your lowest limb and somebody says, man, I love you. <laughs> I believe in you. I am with you. I married you for better, for worse. And this is one of those worst days. But man, I believe in you. I am with you. I believe what God's doing in your life. It can be so powerful for good, right? Last of all, last of all, let's look at the source. Where do the, where do the words come from? Yeah, our words are indicators of our heart. That's what Jesus says. Look at That's what James says. Look at James chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And it's talking about indicators now. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? Can, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, the idea here is, James is saying, your words flow out of your heart. Your words are an indicator of your heart. Your words are not just lodged up in your brain. You're not just thinking up things to say. They're an indication of your character. We would rather say, and people have said this to me, oh, you never know, since I've been in the ministry, I've heard people say, preacher, it's just a bad habit. Jesus said it's a bad heart. And we can go, now I do know it's to be a habit. I do know ugly words can be a habit. But I mean, if you look at what Jesus says, look at Mark chapter 7. It, what Jesus said, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 45, the New International Version. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Now, he's talking about words. And an evil man brings forth evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For, here's the application, with the mouth, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Typically, when we say things that aren't right, say things ugly, rumors, cursing, gossip, whatever, we tend to say what? Man, I need to clean that language up. But Jesus says, you need your heart cleaned up where it's coming from if you didn't have that in your heart it wouldn't come out your mouth and it's the kindness of God to show us these things so what so we can repent so we can ask God to cleanse us from our heart I heard about one guy who said something kind of ugly one day and, and he was working around his buddy and he looked at his buddy and said man I'm so sorry I, I don't know why I said that that's just not like me that's just not in me I don't know why that came out and the guy said it's just like you it came right out of your inside. <laughs> it came right out of you. It had to be in you for it to come outside of you. Look at Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. When James talks about can a fountain bring forth salt water and fresh water, fountains are life-giving. 
especially the ancient time. If you got good water, you have life. If you don't have good water, you're going to have a hard time having life. In fact, when, uh, a lot of good's been done the last uh, five or ten years. It used to be, I'm not sure I didn't look this week to see, but it used to be that one of the most dangerous things for children were waterborne diseases. It was the number one, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be the number one killer of children under five years old. Waterborne disease, didn't have fresh water, didn't have clean water. And James is saying, your words are life-giving. They're life-giving. It's one of, my, one of my favorite songs. It's from Toby Mac. It says, speak life. He writes this. Some days life feels perfect. Other days it just ain't working. Y'all understand that, right? Some days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. Yeah, it's crazy amazing. We can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life. Speak life. To the deadest, darkest night. Speak life. Speak life. When the sun won't shine and you don't know why. Watch this. Look into the eyes of the brokenhearted. Watch them. Come alive. As soon as you speak hope, you speak love, you speak life. And what a privilege, right? To have the ability to speak life in the people, to speak truth. And we speak life when we do what? When we speak the words of Jesus, we speak the words of the gospel, we speak words that are true to Scripture. And we have that ability to speak that. And God can take it. If somebody's heart is right and receptive, God can take those words we speak and bring life into their life into their lives. I was reading something the other day. It talked about the 12, um, 12 words that can transform your life. Want to see here 12 words that can transform your life? Here's 12 words that can transform your life. Please and thank you. <laughs> right? Those words are life-giving. You're showing appreciation. A lot of times, please and thank you can break down walls. So there's a couple of words right there. Secondly, I love you. Can breathe life, right? Can bring help. Can transform people. How many of you know uh, almost all of you parents know that a 7-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 27-year-old or a 57-year-old daughter or son of yours could come to you and say, hey, I just wanted to call you up and let you know I love you. Life-giving, right? Absolutely transforms your life. When your spouse comes in, they've had a hard day, bad day, they're bummed out, mad, irritated, all that, to be able to just be able to say, sweetheart, whatever you need, I'm here. I want you to I." love you. I'm so sorry for what happened to you today. And the other, the other part of the 12 words is, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And, and it's even better if you say, can I pray for you right now? Can I just pray for God to touch your life right now? As we go out this week, I hope about this morning, Thanksgiving week, we're thankful that we can turn to Jesus in every aspect of our life, every moment, every day, continually turning to Jesus and saying to him, thank you that you're amazingly able. And as we turn to Jesus, often through the day, the God who's able to do uh, exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, as we turn to him and say, Lord, would you purify my hearts? And God, would you give me opportunity to speak life, to speak hope, to speak love, into somebody's life today. It may just be a kind word to the cashier at Walmart. It may be a word of affirmation to, to somebody in your family that's struggling with something right now. It may be a text to somebody you barely know to say, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today, asking God to encourage 
your life. Let's ask God, Lord, help us to be a church that speaks life. Do you stand pleased with heads bowed and eyes closed? This is part of blessed to be a blessing, isn't it? A tongue's a little member, but it has great, great power. Let's give our hearts, first of all. God, cleanse our hearts. Fill our hearts with your love. Fill our hearts with your hope. Fill our hearts with your life to the extent that that love and life and hope spills out of our mouth into somebody else's life.